Revelation chapter number 18. That's where we'll find our text this afternoon. And uh, these mics are fluctuating all like crazy on me. I don't know why they do that, but like uh, like the temperature that makes good sense. Um, but I am thankful for the Word of God. Amen. It is the Word of God. I'm thankful for it. It's a dear thing to me, and I hope it's a dear thing to you. Amen. Revelation chapter number 18. Um, I won't make you stand, um, but we'll read the scripture tonight. And last week I was hoping to get a little farther than we did in the chapter of this book um, of Revelation and in our series. However, we only made it to chapter verse 5. If we go at that rate, it's going to take us approximately five weeks to get through this one chapter. But good news for all of us is it's not going to because we're going to get through it tonight. And so, uh, Lord willing. So to say the least, we have a lot of ground to cover, but I think I can preach it faster than I preached it last week. And, and uh, I believe the Lord uh, will allow us to, and uh, we'll get some good help tonight. And so, uh, Revelation chapter number 18, this is our 40th message um, in the book of Revelation. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's absolutely amazing to me, and uh, I thank the Lord for it. And so Revelation chapter number 18, verse number, let's just start at verse number 5. Let's just go back and read verse number 5, read through the rest of the chapter, and we'll go directly from there. And I may just read uh, through verse 8 and then redo the verses as I go through the chapter, just for sake of time. And so Revelation chapter 18 verse 5, the Bible says, For her sins have reached unto heaven. Let's go to verse 4. The reason I want to go to verse 4, because I believe it's a, carry, it's a continuation of context, if you will. So we see the context here change from verse 3 to verse 4, where it says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, So this is another voice than the voice that was crying in verse 2 and 3. Uh, Come out of her, my people. That ye be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you. Double unto her, double according to her works, and the cup which she hath filled to her double. How much she hath glorified herself, and lived deliciously so much torment, and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, and no more widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall our plagues come in one day, death, mourning, and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. Let's pray and ask God to help us tonight. I, I, we'll, we'll go through the whole chapter tonight, but I'm just not going to read through it, but I will read every verse this afternoon. As we go through these verses. Lord we love you. We praise you. We thank you. Thank you Lord for a good time in the house of God. Thank you Lord for a good place to come to Lord. We're grateful for that. And Lord I pray God we never take it for granted. To be able to come to a place Lord. To worship with assembly of believers. As your word has commanded us to do. Lord help us God in the name of Jesus tonight. To preach the word Lord in this text Lord. Help us to break down the text. And give me wisdom. Lord, and help us, give us understanding, Lord, because we certainly need it going through this. And I pray, God, that the Spirit of God would reign, uh, reign magnificent tonight, and, Lord, that you would be preeminent. We love you, we praise you, we thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. 
And so, so we established here last week how this was two different judgments, right? Everybody remember that? It was two different judgments in chapter 17, how from chapter 17 to chapter 18. We described how it was two different judgments and how that uh, Babylon throughout the scripture was defined in two ways. They were defined in their religion and they were defined in their riches. And so when we look throughout all of Babylon from the beginning of time, we can see that the Babylon, all the way in Babel, they were making up their own religion and they had riches to try to reach heaven, if you will. And, and so, so overall, they, we, that we know that they're defined more or less than anything else. They're defined as their, for their sinful idolatry, right? We understand that. That's what they're defined as. Uh, and so from Old Neb uh, to Belshazzar, and so on and so on, all the way back from the beginning at Nimrod and so on. And so it, it is known to be a prosperous and very powerful um, place, not only place but position and um, philosophy, if you would like me to keep on, and, and just that sort of stuff. The, 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 the philosophy of Babylon, uh, and a lot of people call it Babylonianism, and, and that Babylonianism is a philosophy. It's something that is carried around uh, in our generations today, actually, of how uh, um, uh, prosper, 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 uh, get and get and get, and never give and give and give. And that's what it is. And so it's defined by that a lot. And so uh, laid out last week, just a little bitty look at last week, what we kind of went over. We saw uh, that the society was falling in verse number 2. Uh, and how they were falling and, uh, and her assurance of her falling because Babylon is fallen, is fallen. Uh, it was definite. There's no way to change it. Babylon was going to fall. Uh, it was definite. And so it was uh, her assurance is how we laid it out. And then uh, her associates. Uh, um, we see there the associates of her, the habitation of devils and a hold of every foul spirit and cage of every unclean bird and hateful bird. Uh, and so we see it's devilish. Not only is it definite, but it's devilish, uh, and that's the way it lives. This is just a new little alliteration I, I had right here I was going to put out. And then uh, um, not only her associates, but we see her activity uh, is that at the end of verse number 2, it defines that there's a hateful bird in a cage. Uh, um, it's desolate is what it is. And so um, that's what it is. It's definite, it's desolate, and it's devilish. Uh, and so the society was falling. In verse 3, we read of the scam of her folly because uh, of her stupidity, if you will, for lack of better terms, uh, um, is that she's folly. She's uh, falling down and she's uh, um, falling away from all the things of God. She never was with the things of God, uh, um, but the folly that she has, and she see, we see the people there uh, in verse number 3 were the people of her scam, uh, as, I, as I laid it out, and then the pleasure of her scam, and then the prosperity of of her scam and then we see uh, in verse 4 uh, the summons of the father everybody alright so far uh, um, the summons of the father the implication which is given uh, is that saints are called there and they're called uh, and he said my people he said I heard another voice out of heaven saying come out uh, um, from her of her my people uh, and so the saints are called in the tribulation the implication that's given uh, and then we have the idea that was given and that is separation is commanded uh, um, that there is no other way because separation is the way God wants God people to be 
They want them separated from the world. And, and the implication there is that ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not uh, of her plagues. And so therefore, if you are uh, not separated, you will be partaker of her sin and of her plagues. Uh, and that's the idea we got there. And then uh, we've seen in verse 5 that her sins had been found. Her sins had been found. And what a day as God uh, will reign upon the earth in wrath. And judgment. Uh, and consider the scene tonight though as we open up uh, in the first three verses here. And, and we read of those chapter verse 6 and 7 and 8. Uh, and consider the scene that God is showing us here in the word of God. Uh, as God has remembered the sins of a rebellious and rich uh, and ruined world as God uh, is fixing to wreak havoc on a sin-stricken uh, and greedy system that has controlled the world uh, for all these years and taken over. Uh, and in one hour, one hour, it will uh, come to pass. Imagine uh, the terror as we consider the fall of Babylon the Great. Part two. Got three points, I'll be done. I want you to notice number one tonight, the rewarding of her actions. Verse number 6 through verse number 8, the verses in which we read are dealing with the reward. Uh, is that not right? Uh, in verse 6 it says, Reward her uh, unto uh, uh, even as she has rewarded you. Uh, and so now, now, now if you look at the word reward on a typical basis, it reminds you of something that is positive, right? Um, but not here. And so these are very interesting verses when you consider who it's directed to. Uh, and I believe, as we read back in verse number 4, uh, um, that the context has not changed yet. So who's rewarding her? Well, the context isn't changed there. So notice verse 4. And I heard another voice out of heaven saying, Come out, from, uh, uh, come out of her, my people. She may be partakers not of her sins, and that you may not um, receive not of her plagues, for her sin to reach it unto God. And, and God hath remembered her iniquities, so the voice in heaven still speaking, reward her even as she rewarded you. Who? My people. My people. Notice as I was studying, I felt like, felt like that was necessary to state tonight. Now, 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 I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but God tells us in the book of Romans that vengeance is His, saith the Lord. My, how the roles have reversed, right? How the roles have reversed. And so according to that, we're reading this. Uh, um, the speakers haven't changed. The hearers haven't changed. Uh, but the roles have totally reversed as God's people seem to be doing some work. Can I say what? I don't know. I have no clue what work is going to be taking place. But I know that she's about to be destroyed, Right? I know that she's about to be destroyed. And so notice what we see here in three verses. I want you to notice uh, um, these three verses. Uh, I want you to notice, number one, the doubling of her reward. Uh, where in verse 6 it does say, uh, Reward her even as she rewarded you in double, under her double, according to her works, in the cup which she hath filled, uh, filled to her double. Do you think it's going to be doubled? I believe it's going to be exactly doubled. 
And so uh, no, that word double is mentioned three times. And James Knox says it like this. Uh, he says it's almost as if the Holy Trinity were talking, uh, were taking a vote. And, and one looked over and said, Father, what say ye? Uh, and he said, double. Uh, and then the one looks over at the other and says, Son, what say ye? And he says, double. Uh, and then the Holy Spirit, one looks at the Holy Spirit and says, Speak now uh, in righteousness. And he says, double. Double, double under her. Uh, and the debt that Babylon is owed is now to be paid. Uh, and this reward will not be positive. Is anything uh, but positive? God uh, has remembered her sins. Uh, and it will, ne- it will now be her end. Uh, it's going to be over. She has indulged long enough. Uh, and she has lived in excess long enough. Uh, and she has slain the saints of God long enough. Uh, and God and His people are to reward her actions uh, double, double, double. Amen. And she has stood against everything that is godly since the beginning and clear defiance against God and God says reward her double. Reward her double. Beloved, sin's price heavy one. And she's reaping from what her sowing, what she's been sowing. And so Satan may seem to be ahead, but God says reward her double. God says Reward her double. We see the doubling of reward. Secondly, we see the defiance of her reputation in verse 7 where the Bible says, How much she hath glorified herself, lived deliciously, so much torment sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I said a queen, and no widow, and see no more sorrow. And so uh, uh, here she is, uh, from Nimrod to Nebuchadnezzar, and on them through the time, wickedness has been in her life. It has been defined in her life, uh, and that's what she is. Uh, she is considered to be the mystery of Babylon, uh, um, the great, the mother of harlots, and abominations of the earth. Uh, is, she's everything that's against God. I mean, she has went against God since the very beginning and she stands in prideful defiance uh, against a holy God and she lives in self-gratification uh, and self-glorification and honestly it displays to us who her ruler really is. He's the king over all... I mean, he is the king over all the children of pride is what Job tells us, right? And so it's the devil. She has indulged and sets herself on a pedestal. Um, she lives in pleasure, but that pleasure is about to cost her a lot. And God hates pride. God hates arrogance. God hates those things. And she will soon fall. The Bible says, pride, go before the destruction. And a haughty spirit before the fall. Her fall is about to take place. And Proverbs tells us that. Pride. Pride, pride. The defiance of her reputation. That's a reputation she's known by pride. And then we see the destruction of her reward in verse 8. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death, mourning, fame, or famine rather, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And so, so her famous life is about to turn to famine. Right? I mean, her, her, her money-driven life is about to turn to mourning, right? I mean, her, her, her decisions are about to cost her death, uh, and her season is about to come to an end, uh, and God has remembered her sins. It matters. Destruction is topping the rising, right? I mean, I, I'm just saying her season is coming to a close, and what she thought she had, the Lord is stronger. 
The Lord is overcoming that. And the consuming fire is about to consume her, right? I mean, the Bible says in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, I think it's the last verse, verse 29 or 30, uh, it says, For our God is a consuming fire. That's all it says, and He is. And she's fixing to see that. She's fixing to see it. The fall of Babylon, the great, is about to take place. Uh, and knowing what this woman is symbolizing, uh, being the commercial and the economic side of Babylon, uh, is being destroyed this. And I just want to say this very clearly. Uh, um, God is about to destroy everything uh, um, that has been placed above Him. Uh, it's fixing to burn to the ground. I mean money and mammon and so on and so on. We could go on and on and on about things that us people stand in open defiance against God and raise Him as their God in his, their life. It's about to burn. It's about to burn to the ground. Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse 31 says it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. He is a living God and it's a consuming fire and He's fixing to consume her. Everything that has been placed above God is fixing to burn. You with me, church? She'll soon find out what it's like to fall in the hands of a living God. So we see the rewarding of her actions. Secondly, we see the response of her attendees. So the one world trade money economic system is about to crash. Right? We see these in these next verses and I'll read them as we go. The whole world is about to be in utter devastation, right? I mean, as this happens, the world is about to be in devastation. The next verses tell us all about that. And I want you to notice the responses from the world, from the Bible's point of view. Notice the responses from the world. Verse 9, And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her... so. Everybody, we can, we can pause and take a time out for just a moment if you'd like to. Everybody understands who her is, right? This is everything that is open defiance against God. Everything that has been raised up as a God in our world. That's what, that's what her is. It's the, I mean, the economy. It's everything that we hold as a high standard in our life is fixing to burn. It's fixing to burn. And so it says, her uh, shall, uh, deliciously with her, shall bewail her and lament her for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. Notice the, the, the action words and that lived and bewail and lament and see. Standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city, the great city, I turn too much, Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. I want you to notice, number one, that the monarchs respond. The monarchs respond. All that their leader brought into action is being burned. Right? The Antichrist. All that he brought into action has been burned. Uh, and as assembly, uh, an assembly of monarchs, I don't, I don't understand it. Uh, I don't understand it completely, I promise. Uh, um, but there's an assembly of monarchs and they're standing afar off. Uh, and they're watching the city Babylon burn. Uh, I don't know where it's going to be. I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, um, but they're not only seeing the city, but they're seeing the commercial uh, group of uh, Babylon burn to the very ground and the commence of 
the whole world uh, burning to the ground. Uh, and as an assembly of those monarchs stand back uh, and say, Alas, alas, that great city of Babylon. Uh, um, that, uh, just imagine, just imagine what's going on here. Just imagine what's going on here. World leaders have lived in a season of prominence uh, and power and prosperity uh, and popularity and the best time they've ever had uh, is coming to an end. Uh, and the time that they've, uh, um, the problems that this world uh, has, uh, they say it was fixed and everything's great. Uh, and so they thought, uh, right, but uh, just imagine in a short time it all falls down. It all falls down. Monarchs being the leaders. I believe there's a lot to say that we could add into this and say just a little note here. Um, This isn't in my notes, but just a little note. I believe we could type a lot of this to the Catholic Church. And I believe we could. Uh, I believe there will be a papal Rome, and I believe there will be a lot of uh, prominence in that land, just as there are today, by the way. But I don't believe we could fully tap this into them. Maybe there'll be a religion tapped into them. Everybody getting what I'm saying there? Adding to them? Making some new... I don't know, but nonetheless, I just wanted to add that in. Just imagine in just such a short time it all falls down. Can you imagine the gasp? I mean, just... Of these monarchs. The cries and the lamentations over the kings as they see the destructions of what they loved and what they lived for. And can you just imagine the chaos of the world? There's no more money, there's no more trades, etc., etc. And they stand there in the distance realizing they really had no power at all. Remember, this place is called Great and Mighty. But it has no comparison when it comes to the Almighty. He's burning them to the ground. The monarchs respond, and that's what they have to say. They cry and lament and see the smoke uh, and how they've lived so deliciously in that lifestyle. A luxurious, lavish lifestyle. They stand afar off and for the fear of the torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city, Babylon, that mighty city, for one hour is thy judgment come. The monarchs respond. Secondly, I want you to notice the merchants respond. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. So imagine this. We'll go through this in just a minute. The world is in chaos, right? Just, just get it in your mind. The world is in chaos. The economical system is in shambles. The world is burning, but God is still reigning. Amen. But God is still reigning. I mean, the merchants were living in the best times. They're richer than they've ever been. Uh, um, They think they're living a life of luxury. Uh, However, in a short span of time, boom, it's gone. I mean, the wealth is no is worthless. It's it's absolutely worthless. And where there was a, a man to buy, there is no more. That's what they said. The merchant they said the merchants of uh, so for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. No more. I mean, where there was that man to buy, now there's no more that man to buy. Business has kept many. I just want to note and say, business has kept many away from the things of God. 
Business has kept many away from the things of God like serving God and, and coming to church and loving God. I mean loving, genuinely loving God. It has kept them away uh, and going witnessing and giving, etc., uh, etc. Et business, business has done that. Business has done that, friend. Uh, I mean, I'm reminded of Luke chapter number 14. Uh, Luke chapter number 14, verse 16, the Bible says, uh, And then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, uh, and sent his servants at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, uh, for all things are now ready. And they all, uh, with one consent, began to make excuse. Uh, the first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. Uh, I pray thee have me excused. Uh, and another said, I have bought five yoking of oxen, uh, and go to bring them... Prove them, I pray thee, have me excused. Business. Business. Another said, I've married a wife, therefore cannot come. Business, right? The two excuses that were first were business, business. Uh, and there's, there's a supper prepared, friend. Uh, and all I'm going to say is, is that these things and their cries uh, are going to show exactly how men should have depended on God more and less upon themselves. There's a bunch that was lost in these verses. Notice verse 12. The merchandise of gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, scarlet, all fine wood, all manner of vessels of ivory, and all manner of vessels of most precious wood, and brass, and iron, and marble. Precious things. Precious things. A lot of people type that to the Catholic Church. I believe it could be, I believe it could be profitable to that. You can do your study on that. But there's costly material that says no more. No more of it. In a moment's time, the wealthy of the world will become beggars in the great need, right? I mean, all of the riches that, they, that men had uh, uh, gathered and, and accumulated cannot buy health, it can't buy happiness, it can't keep them in the hand of God, uh, it can do none of those things. And those merchants who deal in these items will be out of business. No more investments. God says no more. No more. No more investing in the gold mining. No more investing in this mining. No more investing in all the silver and precious stones and pearls and fine linen and purple and silk, etc., etc. No more. No more. It's not going to happen no more. You seeing how all the material things are disappearing? All the costly items, all the costly material is no more. I would like to state secondly in verse 13 in cinnamon odors, ointments, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, beasts, sheep, horses, chariots, slaves, and souls of men. Now, to keep the context going, we're talking about they ain't no more. No more. No more costly material. No more common material. Uh, I mean, these could be described as a symbol of the necessities of life. I mean, you're talking about what you eat, well, medicine, you're talking about all those things in one. Huh? What you drink and so on and so on is all as a symbol in this huh? and there'll be no more. Can you imagine a world where nothing is available to be bought? 
I mean, this will be this will be said this day. There'll be no more commodities. There'll be no more good things. There'll be nothing to have to do with it. It's said that from Roman times until now, uh, linen and silk is Earth's most valued material. No more. They're both mentioned in that verse. No more. Now, now you 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 look at these things and tell me they don't go a long, long, long way. I mean, you got fine flour. What does that tell you? There won't be no more bread. You got wheat. There won't be wheat bread either. Beast, sheep, horses, no meat. Chariots, slaves, won't be none of those things. Won't be none of those things no more. Really, it's a making of, it's a, they say that, you know, they say that those things there, the um, linen and the silk there in the verse, they say that those are actually dealing with more or less wealth and prosperity. Revelation chapter 17, verse number 3, the Bible says there, So he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness. I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads, ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple, scarlet color, decked with gold, precious stone, pearls, having golden cup in her hand. You see, you see where that's going, right? It's pretty serious. And, and then notice that the last thing, the last thing that's said in verse number 13 is the souls of men. I didn't really understand that. But one thing I would like to hit, just a quick high note in this, is that it's last. Because most of the time it is last. It's put before our work. It's put before our church. It's put before everything we do. It's put after it. It's put last in our life. You know it's true. It's put last in, in my life, your life, and so on. But it shouldn't be that way. And I hope it's not putting your last, last in your life. I hope it's not. I really hope it's not, but it's put last right here. And I don't know if that has any meaning at all, but the souls of men will hear. And it, it reminds me of Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 26. For what is a man profited? What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? They've given all of that for their souls. They've went towards Babylon and sought out Babylon and, and Babylonianism and all the things that it can give. And they've given their very souls for it. I believe that's the good way to application to look at it. What did it take them? Well, it took them gold and silver and precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, scarlet, Thine wood, vessels of ivory, manner vessels of most precious wood, brass, iron, marble, cinnamon, odors, ointments, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, beasts, sheep, horses, chariots, slaves, and, to, and all that they exchanged for their souls. Exchange for their souls. What did it take? That's what it took. Common materials, no more. Carnal material is no more. Verse 14, And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee, and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. So, I mean, obviously this is dealing with those things which wants, wants, 
wants more than anything. I believe that's the correct interpretation of this. It's dealing with wants, things you lust after. It's not, I don't believe that's dealing with just a, uh, uh, necessarily just a sinful lust, but a thing that we want, desire. It could be something that we have put ahead of God. It could be anything along those lines. It's something. It's a desire that we have in our life. Uh, and so they'll be no longer available. Wants and uh, pleasures, extras, uh, things we enjoy, there'll be no more, right? No more carnal material, no more conducive material. Verse 15, the merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in... Now, now you're noticing that, right? That great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple scarlet, decked with gold, precious stones and pearls, for in one hour so great riches has come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the sa- uh, company in ships and sailors, as many as traded by the sea, stood far. So here it is. The merchants of the world will stand in awe and utter despair as they watch the source of their very wealth disappear before the front of their eyes. As everything disappears in front of their eyes, uh, and the God of heaven that they would not turn to because of their wealth, is burning all that they have to the ground. The days of abundant profits and lucrative deals have ended in leaving only shattered dreams and troubled memories of prior days and the ride they were on had been profitable in a scope of material gain but it has left destroyed and they are left to face the wrath of God broke and miserable. I'm telling you, the lure, the lure, the, 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 the luxurious lure that this world has uh, of riches have become their God. Uh, and now uh, the true and living God has struck the very heart uh, of their afflict, affection uh, and their devotion. And He's hit it uh, and it's done. It's gone. It's no more. It's no more. The merchants respond. Thirdly, I want you to notice the mariners respond. Well, the Bible says, In all company and ships and sailors, and as many as trade by the sea, stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads, cried weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein we were made rich. All that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, for in one hour she is made desolate. The seas are, uh, we know, an avenue of great wealth. However, just think about it. Just think about the mariners, the sailors in those days. Just think about it as they, 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 they're making their trek in to land uh, and they're getting ready to port, uh, port and, and come up to the harbor and all they see on the horizon uh, is fire. Everything that made them money is burning to the ground. Uh, and uh, um, they're carrying their goods that supplied the appetites of the world. Uh, and it's slaved uh, um, to the grip of prosperity. Uh, are all found in mourning. Uh, that's all they're doing is mourning uh, and bewailing. Uh, and they have enjoyed times of abundance. But just imagine uh, as that ship is nearing the arbor there. And fire uh, is all that they can see. Uh, and what they had all the source of their income uh, is gone it's all gone no more no more 
mariners respond. Notice in verse 20, rejoice over her. So, I don't believe the context has changed personally. Just notice that, actually. Because the same voice is talking. It didn't say there was another voice. It does in the next one that there's another angel. But not in this one. So I would assume that that would go back to chapter 4, I mean to verse 4, and continue that angel, right? So rejoice over her. Who? My people. And then thou heavens, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. Good stuff, praise the Lord. Can I just give you just a quick time out and tell you God ain't forgotten about what this world's done to his people? God ain't forgotten, he never will. And now, now we, we understand that wrath is covered a lot by mercy right now. And we're thankful for that. Thank God in our dispensation it's true. Uh, that wrath has been covered by mercy. But we reap what we sow and we understand that. Uh, um, but the mariners have responded. The merchants have responded. The monarchs have responded. Uh, and it's time for the mighty ones to respond. Uh, and we find this contrast to the response uh, found on the earth. Uh, the earth is mourning. The earth is uh, uh, lamenting, bewailing, bemoaning moaning for all uh, um, that they have lost. Uh, but heaven, uh, heaven is rejoicing over all that they've gained. Uh, everything that they've gained, they're rejoicing. Uh, and those who have suffered under the very philosophy of those uh, who have denied uh, um, the Lord have been vindicated by the Almighty God. Uh, and their blood uh, has been vindicated. Uh, and God is reigning uh, in their cries for strength uh, and divine intervention have not gone unheard or unanswered uh, because God uh, has vindicated all that he can uh, and we may live friend in a world uh, where believers are oppressed uh, and believers are persecuted uh, but as we found uh, um, God keeps a record book uh, and he will reward uh, according uh, to that which we deserve uh, and Babylon uh, a deserved judgment and that is what she is getting uh, and the, I'm telling you, thank God, thank God uh, that there is rejoicing uh, in heaven uh, while there's a whole lot of crying on earth. He said, rejoice over her. Rejoice over her. I'm glad for that. The response, the rewarding, and the last slam done. The result of her annihilation. Verse 21 and a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone, cast it in the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city, Babylon, be thrown down. It shall be found no more at all. All the things Babylon brought is already gone. Now it's time for Babylon to go. Now it's time for the spirit of Babylon to go. Now it's time for the philosophy. Now it's time for the deception. Now it's time for all that that Babylon brought with her to go. Tribulation is drawn to a close. God's about to bring utter destruction to this land, Babylon. <clears throat> Notice, her annihilation is described by a millstone. Now, the angel cast a giant millstone into the sea, I believe, as a portrayer of what soon will come to Babylon in direction. A millstone is something that's very heavy. It's something that uh, has absolutely no chance of floating in the sea. 
It's something that's never going to come back up on nobody. Amen. <laughs> Listen, we're fixing to walk into heaven in chapter 19, friend. And, and we're fixing to enter the gates of heaven uh, with all of its splendor. And God said, I'm going to cast that wicked girl into that sea. It's gone. Even the children. Yeah, write a tie a millstone about their neck, cast them in the sea. Yeah, yeah, a fin, one of those little ones. A uh, uh, millstone is something that's heavy. It's something that has no chance of floating. Uh, it has no chance of coming back up on you. Uh, it would immediately sink to the bottom and the depths of the sea. Uh, and just uh, uh, just, just think about this. As swift and as sure as the millstone uh, um, sank, so shall the destruction of Babylon become. Just as sure as it's, it would sink to the bottom, so shall it be for Babylon. She's going to be gone. Notice Jeremiah. Um, this is just a, just a quick uh, run real quick. Uh, Jeremiah chapter number 51, verse number 64. I know that's a lot. That's a big chapter. Um, verse number 64, the Bible says, And thou shalt say, Thus shall Babylon sink. Shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. Thus far are the words of Jeremiah. It's the last words Jeremiah spoke. In the, I mean, that, that the last words that Jeremiah spoke in, in his book. Right there, I mean, his chapter right there, in chapter 51. It goes into chapter 51, 52. That's the last chapter of Jeremiah. And he said, Thus saith the words of Jeremiah. Now, that's, that's some bold words, but he said... Babylon will sink. Babylon will sink. Aren't you thankful one day the spirit and the things of Babylon will sink? It's going to sink, friend. And uh, man, what a day. What a day. I'm thankful I won't be here anyways, but there'll be no escape from, no escape from, the, from the hand of God's judgment there. Babylon and her ways will sink. Their annihilation is described by a millstone. Her annihilation is described, defined by misery. Notice in verse 22, and the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in the sea. Man, you could title this whole chapter as a no more chapter. Shall be heard no more at all. But you could, <laughs> you could title chapter 21 as a no more too. You know that? Um, that's no more. There's no more for the sinners and no more for the saints. Amen. And thank the Lord, there'll be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more Satan, no more any of those things. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, be heard no more at all in thee, and no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee, and the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. Shall shine no more. So the annihilation is defined by misery. Now, these verses reveal a very severe part of God's wrath. Now, now the phrase no more at all in thee is repeated four times, as I mentioned. It's repeated four times in those small two verses. And I believe it could reveal a very fullness of God's judgment. It's very serious. It's a very serious thing. But um, God is saying things are going to cease to being exist. They're going to cease to exist. They're no more at all. Notice what, now this is speaking of Babylon, right? This is what's not going to happen because of Babylon. Babylon is not going to experience any of this anymore. Babylon isn't. Babylon's not being cast just yet. But Babylon is promised to be cast according to the millstone, right? We just, we just described that. But 
what's we understand that Je- let me just pause. We understand that Jesus, that the Lord Jesus is going to come and he's going to destroy everything that has to do against Israel, right? In the battle of Armageddon. We understand that's going to take place. I know this is not the easiest thing, um, but but here we are, and there is a destruction that is getting ready to take place. There's no more happiness. No more happiness. As judgment falls, music will no longer be heard upon the earth. Music is a typical picture of happiness, by the way. It is, and we, we sing when we're happy. Music has a, a, a way of bringing comfort in a time of distress. Uh, uh, all of those things. Uh, I mean, you can just think about it. You, you probably sing to your kids. You probably do all that kind of stuff because it's, soft, it's a, soft, uh, a soft song and it calms them and so on and so on. Uh, but can you imagine the mood uh, of a world without music happiness can you imagine that I mean the reality of their fate has begun to be in despair it's just despair no more happiness no more honor verse 22 the Bible says and no craftsman of whosoever crafty be all the industry and manufacture of the earth has ceased to exist now you think about that they're building more right now am I right I mean, the, 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 all of that, the, the success is no more, right? There will be no more success. I mean, I mean they li- the things that they live for and served uh, day in and day out is no more. I mean, the ambitions and dreams of men uh, who lived off the fortune uh, um, or misfortune of others rather have been shattered with no hope uh, of future enterprise. There's no way that it can go on. The very thing that brought honor to them has been removed. And God says no more. God says no more. You know why? Because there's not going to be any future for them. Because there's no more happiness and honor. And then verse 30, verse 23, In the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. No more hope. No more hope. That's sad. I will grieve you, man, that grieves me. What a graphic picture of the wrath of God. I mean, the candle will give no more his light. His light won't shine. I mean, the warmth and the security of the light. I mean, you think about it. You think about a, you think about a world in darkness? Think about it. I'm not talking about spiritually. They are spiritually dark, but I'm talking about physically and spiritually. Think about a world in darkness and men will live in the ultimate of darkness and and despair and separated from the mercies of God. And, you know, I can't imagine the heaviness of the darkness uh, that day as the reality of judgment begins to set in on them. I'm reminded of Luke 23 as Jesus was hanging on a cross uh, and as it became dark upon the face of the earth uh, and that, that, that darkness, there's no more mercy. There was no mercy while he was hanging. There's no mercy to Jesus because he had my sins and your sins on him. There was no mercy to him. It was pitch black, utter darkness. No more mercy. No more hope. Verse 23. The voice of the bridegroom, the bride, shall be heard no more at all in thee. For the merchants were the great men of the earth. For by the sorcerers were all nations deceived. No more heritage. The days of joy, 
the days of excitement, the days of all the things that were going on. Notice it says, and the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. This could be looked upon as two different ways, of course. It could be looked on as a physical way, as in no more marriages, no more, nothing's going to happen anymore. Or it could be looked upon as a significant point to say that there is going to be no more bridegroom, which is Christ, and there's going to be no more bride. But we understand that the church has already been taken out at this point, so I don't believe there's no application to that directly. And so when we look at this insignificant, think about the joy that happens at weddings, right? Now you think about that. I mean, there, there'll be no more young couples standing up at the altar and getting, getting, getting married. There'll be none of those things anymore. God began creation with the ordinance of marriage, and there he is, and there's a holy ordinance that will be no more. You can look at it that way. But we could look at it and say, because it's talking about light above that, there will be no more light. There'll be no more Christ. There'll be no more anything to have to do with him. There'll be nothing to have to do with it. We know there's saved individuals in this place, but we know that there's not a church in this place directly. So the, the, the fall of Babylon. Future is no more. No more future. Annihilation is defined. Annihilation is described. Millstone, misery. And then verse 23 at the end, Thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by the sorceries were all nations deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. Her annihilation is deserved. It's deserved, friend. The men of this world have lived a lavish, lux luxurious lifestyle one of extravagance, one of excess. They have concerned themselves only with the wealth and the desires for more. They have slain the blood of many saints of God to ensure uh, their continued success. They stand before God here accountable for their actions. They're accountable for them. And those verses, friend, are troubling to me. Because in them we see those who stand very... They're standing condemned before God. And Jesus gave himself upon a cross for them. He bled and died for all men and these included. And yet they chose to forsake the grace of God for the pleasures of life. And their choice has resulted in internal consequences. They have enjoyed the only pleasure they'll ever know. I mean, their eternal destiny was traded for a brief uh, season of pleasure and prosperity. Uh, and what mercy and grace are refused, judgment is all that remains. And this will happen. It will. The tribulation is a reality. It will come to pass. And along with the fall of Babylon, it will come to pass. And all of those that follow our ways will face the judgment of God. It would be utterly impossible to claim that God was not just in his dealings. He was just in his dealings. He gave his son. He gave him as a sacrifice for sin. And those who choose to reject him have only themselves to blame. No, it's still a decision. It's still a decision. As I looked in this passage, I was deeply reminded of what is coming for those who deny God in that day. I rejoice that I've been saved. I rejoice that I don't have to worry about it. Amen. I, 
Oh, I've escaped that awful place. I'm, I'm glad that I don't have to deal with the terror of the holy God. I'm glad I don't have to do that. But I, 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 I'm also aware that many have not trusted Christ in this day. I don't care where it is. If it be on the internet, here, or whatever else. People may get tired of hearing me say it, but I'm telling you, I urge a person to search their heart. And thank God for salvation. And if you are saved, I believe everybody in here is, but if you are, I urge you to get a burden for lost people. In the nursing homes, on the streets. Across the highways and byways. Because the day that Babylon will fall will be a day of no mores. And in every way that we ought not ever stop by a gas station without handing out a track. You ought not ever pump gas without putting a track in that, that, that in that handle. It's the truth, friend. From the pulpit to the pew, I know that I've missed it many times. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I do. I absolutely try my hardest to hand out tracks and get them out. And I'm telling you, church, this is important. There's people hanging in the pendulum of heaven and hell. And it's not just a pendulum. It's, it's a decision they're going to have to make in life. And a decision that we all have to make in life. One day, Micaiah is going to have to make the decision whether he's going to serve Christ and be saved or he's going to go to hell. God never made that decision for us. God never made that decision for us. We have to make that decision, yes or no. And it's not a piece of paper that you sign and George Strait sings a song that you yes or no. No, that's not what it is. But it's a fact of a, of a holy God wanting to intercede for you on your behalf and be your mediator. That's what it is. And it's accepting that gift of His Son as your sacrifice for your sin. It was not His sin. And it's accepting that. But eternity is too long to be because Babylon the great is falling. And Babylon is on the uprise today. And there ain't nothing, there ain't nothing that Jesus has to wait for to come. And God sent his sacrifice in his son for sin. And I'm thankful I've accepted that. By faith, I'm thankful I've accepted that. I'm thankful I don't got to go to that place. I'm thankful for heaven someday. And as the Bible tells us, and as we go on, listen, church, you really, really, it's my heart's desire to present to you that we need to have a bigger burden for souls. Not just Mountain Valley Baptist Church, but the church as a whole. We need to have a bigger burden for souls. We need to have a bigger burden for souls to get more tracks out every day. We need to have that. We need to have that. And to share the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. 
And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and has avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Hallelujah, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. That's you and that's me. I'd go ahead and shout hallelujah here. The four and twenty elders, that's you and me, and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. That's what it says. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God and all ye servants, ye that fear him, both small and great. Thankful there's going to come a day where we're going to be around the throne of God again. After the judgment has been done, and after Jesus has won, then we will be victorious with him. What a day that's going to be. But before that, Babylon the Great will fall. That's promised in Scripture. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you listening. I know I preached a little longer, but I'm glad we were able to cover up the rest of that chapter. And, uh, Next week, I'm Lord willing, I'm going to preach on from, from glory to glory. So I'm going to title it just for fun. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be all glory after a while. Amen. It'll be all glory after a while. Let's pray. Ask God to help us. Thank you for coming tonight. And uh, we'll close out with a word of prayer.